You're listening to the Core Life Training. What is it? Core Life Training Podcast. Of course it is. With Jeff Olson. Hey, what's up, my friends? It's Jeff with the Core Life Training Podcast, where we help you know the Bible better so you can know and love God more. Welcome to episode number 23. Hey, listen, I have a special four-week series for you this Christmas season. I want to walk through the Advent season with you. i got four Advent-themed podcast episodes coming up. At the end of each episode, I'm going to add a metal Christmas moment for you. I'm going to show you some of my favorite Christmas metal songs of all time. And as always, we will have a special Christmas-themed drinks of choice. I'm stoked to be with you this Christmas season. Looking forward to sharing these things with you as well. Why don't you go ahead and grab a Bible, grab your notebook and your drink of choice, and let's get down to business. All right, well, welcome to the Christmas season. It is early December as I record this, just past Thanksgiving. Christmas, aside from my birthday month, is my favorite time of year, mostly because it has to do with getting presents, right? So like, Gift receiving is one of my primary love languages. So if you ever want to so if you ever want to let me know that you love me, just buy me something awesome and I will know for sure that you care about me. Now, I really don't do well waiting for Christmas time or my birthday for that matter, but I am not good at waiting for Christmas. Um I have way way too much hope and way way too much expectation. Like starting now, I'm already tripping out about Christmas time. I'm already pumped up and stoked. Uh And my hope and my expectation is usually for like what presents I'm going to get uh, at the end of the season. I'm the kid that looked in my parents' closet for my Christmas presents when when I was young. And by the way, just a quick aside, uh, actually finding your presents at Christmas time sounds way better than it actually is. One one Christmas, I remember looking in my parents' uh, closet for my presents, and I had asked for uh, the the video game Battle Zone. It was my favorite game in the arcade at the time, and Atari had just put out a cartridge of Battle Zone. So I asked for Battle Zone and a new Atari joystick controller, and I was searching around their bedroom and searched in their closet, and sure enough, I found it. And when I found it, I was totally stoked and pumped. Couldn't believe I was getting what I wanted. And then it absolutely ruined Christmas because on Christmas morning, I had to sort of pretend that I didn't know, and it kind of sucked. So anyway, finding your presence is never nearly as awesome as it sounds like it's going to be, but I am that kid. My sister and I were the kids that would get up at three in the morning and sneak out uh, just to peek into our stockings. Like we never actually pulled all the stuff out, but we, you know, we would try to peek in and see what our parents had got us. And I, to this day, am the guy a couple weeks out that is always trying to get to start opening presents early. Like I would like a, a month-long Christmas festival where each week I get to open one present for my birthday. I like to have a birthday week festival where I can open a present every day of the week leading up to my birthday. So that's me. I just get geeked out about opening presents uh, and and the whole thing, right? So right now I'm like, can I just open one starting right now? I know it's December 2nd, but just one would be fine. So I have a, a lot of hope and expectation during the Christmas season. For me, oftentimes it's it's in the wrong thing, though. It's in the wrong object, like a new Xbox One Series X. By the way, uh, my love language is gift receiving, if you want to know. 
or uh, tickets to ACDC next year in 2021 if uh, concert tours start back up again. Uh, These are the kinds of things that I'm really hoping for. But the reality is that Christmas is ultimately about Christ, right? I know this, you know this. Even if you're not a believer in Jesus, you kind of know that Christmas has to do with something about Jesus. And one great way to prepare your heart and get your heart ready for celebrating Christ during the Christmas season is to walk through the season of Advent. And Advent is basically the four Sundays leading up to Christmas time. And it's a season where we prepare our hearts with hope and expectation to celebrate the coming of Christ, his birth on the very first Christmas morning. And if you want to know the history, the background of the season of Advent, if you want to know the different ways that you can celebrate it, usually like there's a wreath and candles, and each of those candles represent a theme. A lot of times there's a calendar, uh, different things like that, gifts or whatever. There's all kinds of different ways to celebrate the Advent season. I'm going to let you look that up. Uh, You can Google all that stuff. It's all out there. You can find a way that makes sense for you, your church, your family. Uh, I want to do, in the next four weeks, I want to do a series of Advent-themed podcast episodes, right? So I want to take each of those candles from the Advent wreath and just walk through the theme that they represent biblically. So in the way that I've always celebrated Advent with my family and with the churches that I've been part of, the first candle on the first Sunday of the Advent season is called the Prophecy Candle. And that candle reminds reminds us that faithful believers waited for generations and generations and generations with hope and expectation for God to fulfill his promise to send his king that would come in the last day as savior of his people. Now, in the story of the Bible, the waiting for God to fulfill his promise started early on, right? So in the story of Genesis, all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, God made a promise that all of the nations of the earth would be blessed through Abraham and one of his children. This is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. So as we read that promise to Abraham, as readers, we should be turning the page saying which of Abraham's children is going to bless all the earth, right? That's a promise that God made. Later in Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 to 10, as Jacob is blessing his children. He says a blessing over each one of them, but Judah is the one that's highlighted. Even though he's not the the oldest child, he's the one that gets the real blessing. And in Genesis 49, verses 8 to 10, Jacob says that a king will come from the tribe of Judah to rule over all the nations. This is how God will bless the nations. He'll send a king from the family of Abraham and from the tribe of Judah who will bring God's blessing and rule over all the nations. Now, if you keep reading, again, the question is, which of Judah's children will be the king? There are no kings of Israel in Genesis 49, but they're going to come. And when they do, which of Judah's Judah's sons will be the king that will bless the whole earth? By the time you get to 2 Samuel chapter 7, we've met the first king of Israel. His name is Saul, and he sucks. And so he's out of there. And the next king, David... Uh, Seems like he's going to be the right one. It's the guy who's after God's own heart. But in 2 Samuel 7, God says to David, you're actually not going to be the king that blesses the whole earth. It's going to be one of your children. This is 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 to 13. He tells David that one of his sons will be the king that God promised. He'll rule over all the nations, and he'll actually rule over all the nations forever, which is a crazy promise if you think about, about that. David, one of your sons is going to rule over all the earth, and one of your sons will be an eternal king. 
So as you keep reading in the story of Samuel and ultimately through the book of Kings, where we meet all of David's sons who are kings, we're asking ourselves, which of these kings is the promised king to come? And the answer in the book of Kings is not Solomon, it's not Hezekiah, it's not Josiah. In fact, it's not any of those guys. Like All of David's sons are an absolute disaster. Most of them lead Israel into idol worship and continue Israel's centuries worth of idol worshiping and all like that. And ultimately, by the end of the book of Kings, Israel is kicked out of the land in exile, and there is no king anymore. And so the question is, how will God fulfill this promise of a king who would bless the whole earth and be a savior for all the nations? Well, all the way throughout the story, God had sent prophets to speak his word. The prophets would come and call God's people to repent of their false hopes, of their idols, and remind God's people of his promise that a king was coming to bless them and to bless all of the earth. So here are a couple examples of those promises. One would be in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 5 and verse 10. This is Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 5. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Yeah, just real quickly, here's the context. Uh, Jesse is David's father, and Isaiah is picturing David's family as a crappy tree that didn't bear any fruit, ultimately got chopped down in exile. But in the last day, God would raise up uh, a little branch from that stump. And that branch would bear fruit. Verse 2, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, this branch, this king that will come. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. None of Israel's kings ruled that way with the spirit of God leading and guiding them. Verse 3, he will delight in the fear of the Lord, unlike all of Israel's other kings. He'll not judge by what his eyes see nor make decisions by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will judge the poor, and he'll decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. He'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be a belt around his loins, and faithfulness the belt around his waist. Like this is a picture of a righteous king that God will send who will lead and rule and judge with the spirit of wisdom and with righteousness, totally, totally unlike all of Israel's kings. If you skip down to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10, it says, In that day the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for all the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. In other words, he will be a ruler not just for Israel. He will be a ruler and a blessing and a righteous king for all of the nations. If you look over in Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 to 16, here's another example of, of God's promise. The prophets came and they spoke about God's promise of a king who would come in the last day. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good word which I've spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch of David to spring forth. There again is that picture of David's family that really was worthless. In terms of bearing fruit, it really turned into a stump. God promises to bring a branch out of that stump, a righteous branch, and he'll execute justice and righteousness on the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell in safety 
and this is the name by which she will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Right? So God has promised to send a king in the last day. He sent prophets to remind his people of that promise as well. And in the story, as you read through, really all the way starting from the book of Genesis, frankly, definitely in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, through Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings, most people don't give a rip about God's promise of a king. Almost none of them do. If you have the idea in your mind, and you might have got this from Sunday school, that Israel was God's chosen people, which they were, that much is true. But Israel was God's chosen people, and they were like sort of trying to follow the Lord in the Old Testament way. That's actually not the way the Bible reads that story. The story reads that God chose Israel and not one of them cared. They worshiped idols coming out of Egypt. They brought their idols out of Egypt into the wilderness. They marched their idols into the promised land and then adopted all of the idols of the promised land. They were idol-worshiping freaks for centuries. They offered their children to Molech in the fire, right? So as you read through the story, you can't be mistaken and imagine that there were lots of people like reading the word of God and hoping in God. Almost none of them were, but there were a righteous few who grabbed onto God's promise with hope and expectation. Most of them were prophets. There were like seven in the whole Bible who really gave a rip at all about what God said. That's a slight overstatement, but not by much, right? There were a righteous few that hung on to God's promise with hope. And when I say hope here, I don't mean Christmas hope like I have every Christmas. I got a maybe a 50-50 chance that this year I'm going to get an Xbox Series X. Actually, it's probably more like a 20-80 chance, but I'm hoping... That's Christmas hope. Like maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Now these guys hung on, these men and women hung on with biblical hope. And biblical hope, the way the Bible defines it, is confident assurance in God's promise. It's not, I hope maybe it might happen. Maybe God will send a king. Maybe he won't. There's a 50-50 shot. No, it's biblical hope is a confident assurance that God made a promise and God will fulfill his word. And each generation, as you read the story of the Bible, had a few Just a few who waited with biblical hope and expectation that God was going to fulfill his promise to send a king. And the Bible gives us a picture of just a few of these people and how they waited. And one of my my favorite pictures is of Simeon and Anna in the story uh, of Luke chapter 2. So let me read you the story of Simeon and Anna from Luke chapter 2. This starts in 225 and goes all the way through verse 38. And I'll just make a few comments along the way. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. Again, unlike most people in the story of the Bible, here's a righteous man looking for the consolation of Israel. He was looking for God's promise of a Savior that would come to be a blessing not only to Israel, but to all the nations. Verse 25 says, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Why was he a righteous man? Why was he looking for the consolation of Israel? Because his heart had been transformed by the Holy Spirit, unlike most people in the story of the Bible. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's anointed king. My English Bible, the New American Standard Bible says Christ. That's the word for anointed one. And that comes right out of the story of the Old Testament. The anointed one is the king who comes in the last day. Verse 27, he came in the power of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, that is the parents of Jesus, brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, 
Then he took him into his arms. That is, Simeon took Jesus, the baby Jesus, into his arms, and he blessed God. And he said, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, according to your word. I can die now, as you said. I won't see death until I see your king. Well, now I've seen him, so I can die. For my eyes, verse 30, have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, that is, all the nations. Verse 32, a light of revelation, not only to Israel, but to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon says, Lord, I've seen the, the fulfillment of the promise. I've been looking, I've been waiting, I've been hoping and trusting, and now I've seen the promise and I can die a happy man. Verse uh, 33, his father and mother, that is Jesus' father and mother, were, were amazed at the things which were being said about him. It doesn't even seem that they quite get what's going on with their son yet, even though the Lord has sort of told them what's going on. Simeon gets it because he's been waiting and trusting with biblical hope for just this moment. Verse 34, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts might be revealed. Jesus uh, was going to divide a lot of families, right? He, He came as the king. And uh, there were not a lot of people interested in a king uh, in the time when Jesus showed up. Uh, Now, here's the prophetess Anna in verse 36. There was a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was advanced in years. It's a nice way of saying she was old, 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 old. And she had lived with her husband seven years after their marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. And she never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers, Right? She's waiting in the temple, trusting the Lord, praying to the Lord that he would bring the king that he had promised. And at that very, mo- very moment, she came up and began th- giving thanks to God. And she continued to speak of him, that is of Jesus, the baby, to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. There were a few who cared about God's promise to redeem God's people, to send his king, to set up his kingdom. There were just a few who cared. And they waited with expectation. They waited with biblical hope, confidence that God will fulfill his promise. And Simeon and Anna, for example, they recognized Jesus. I mean, how did these two people recognize this baby as the king? Well, part of it is that they were listening to God. They were expecting the king. They were listening to the Lord. They cared. And their hearts were prepared because they were waiting with hope and expectation for the king to come. Okay, so what then? So what for you and me? That's really neat that there were people who had their hearts prepared for the coming of Christ, like Simeon and Anna, and there were a few prophets before them. That's really cool and all, but what does it have to do with you and me? Well, Advent is a season for us to prepare our hearts to celebrate Jesus' coming, right? That's what the Christmas holiday is about, is celebrating the first coming of Christ in his incarnation. This is a season for us to focus our hope, our expectation, our confidence in Him. So how can we do that this Advent season? How can we prepare our hearts to celebrate Christ and to put our hope and our expectation and our confidence in Him? Well, one way we can start with is by repenting of our false hopes. (laughs) We look to a lot of things and a lot of people expecting and hoping that somehow they'll bless us, that they'll be the answer for us. These have been pretty dark days in 2020, uh, down times for sure for a lot of us. 
And it's easy to look for quick fixes, for a quick blessing, uh, for a quick way to feel better. And so we look to things and stuff, right? I'm sad, so I'll, I'll, I'll go shopping and buy something. Uh, we look to food. I'm, I'm sad, so I'm going to go to Cold Stone and eat some ice cream. Uh, we look to people. I'm down, so I'm, I'm going to look at my wife or my friends and trust that they're going to make me feel better. And none of those things are necessarily wrong in and of themselves, right? It's when we use them instead of what God has promised to bless us with, right? So God has promised to bless us through Jesus. He promised to send a king who would rule righteously over all the earth and would bless his people. And when we're down or when we're in difficult times and we look to a thousand other things, right, to solve that, instead of immediately looking to Jesus, who God promised would be the solution to those kinds of things, we can repent of our false hopes. It's easy to get caught up. I get caught up in all of the hype of the Christmas season and all of the things that I could get this this year under the Christmas tree, and they're, they're going to make me happy, and they're going to make 2021 even better for me. And in reality, God has promised to bless me through Jesus. And this is a season where I can remind myself, and you can remind yourself of that, uh, I can look to Jesus for the blessing, for the happiness that God promises to give me. I can repent of my false hopes. Lord, you see where my heart goes all the time. Your heart may go in different directions than mine does, but all, all of us can say to the Lord, you see where my heart goes. You see how I turn too quickly to other things and not nearly quickly enough to you and to Jesus. So that's one thing. We can repent of our false hopes. Number two, we could pray like Anna. Right, This Advent season, this time of Christmas, I know we're all busy and none of us have time to pray. Maybe you're a super prayer. I don't know. Like, If you are, that's awesome. Uh, maybe you can like DM me on Instagram, at uh, Jeff Olson246, and you can tell me your secret for being an awesome prayer. I'm, I'm not super awesome at it, and this busy season even makes it more difficult. But we could pray like Anna. She spent time in the temple fasting and praying, waiting and hoping and trusting in God's promise, looking for God to fulfill his promise. And it's so easy during this Christmas season for Jesus to sort of get drowned out until the last minute, right? We're shopping, we're getting food ready, we, we're making travel arrangements, and maybe this year we're not doing quite so much of that, but it's so easy to show up on like Christmas Eve and go, man, I've, I've barely thought about Christ, and it's kind of last minute. Uh, you could start praying right now. It's December 2nd, Wednesday, December 2nd, as I record this. You got 23 more days to start praying and asking God, Lord, make room in my heart for Jesus this Christmas season. Help me focus my attention on him. Help me focus my attention on the blessing that you promise through him. We could pray like Anna. And number three, you could read the word. We could read the word this Christmas season to remind ourselves of God's promise, to remind ourselves of the hope and the expectation that we can have in God and his promise. I like to read Isaiah for Christmas time, right? Isaiah is a great book to remind us of God's promise. Israel in the story of Isaiah was a, an idolatrous mess, but God had promised to send a king to bring righteousness and justice. He promised to send a king who would be a servant and die for the sins of his people and bring them forgiveness. And he promised to send a messenger to proclaim the good news of God's salvation through this king to all the earth, right? These are the promises that God makes in the story of Isaiah. And it's awesome to read Isaiah and remind ourselves 
of those promises and that that king actually did come. Jesus, that king, did actually come. Isaiah reminds us as well now in 2020 that as believers, we wait for the return of the king, right? He came once, but he's coming again to set up his kingdom and invite his people into his eternal kingdom in the last day. We're looking forward to that as well. So as we celebrate Jesus' birth, at the same time, we can be looking forward to his second coming where he establishes his kingdom over all the earth and finally blesses all the nations with his eternal righteous rule, right? So reading the word of God can remind us of these promises. And Isaiah is sort of the perfect book for Christmas to read and be reminded of them. And if you want to follow along with me reading Isaiah the way I do, I've put together a little Isaiah reading guide. Uh, It actually started on the 1st of December, but you're not too far behind. It's just a couple of chapters a day on weekdays, and you could even catch up this weekend if you wanted to. Uh, You can download that at my website, corelifetraining.org slash Christmas 2020. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. And that just gives you a couple chapters a day every day to read through the entire book of Isaiah by Christmas time. Again, a great way to remind ourselves of God's promise, both of the king in his first coming, but also to remind us of Jesus the king who will come again and set up his eternal kingdom. Dig it. There you have it. Week one of the Advent season. We're taking a look at the theme of the prophecy candle. We're reminded that faithful believers waited for generations with hope and expectation for God to fulfill his promise to send a king who would come in the last day to be a savior over all the earth. And we are reminded to wait and hope and have confidence and trust in Jesus, our King. We celebrate his birth at Christmas time, and we look forward to his return when he he sets up his kingdom and welcomes us into it once and for all in the last day. All right, you guys, thank you so much for checking out this episode. I hope this episode and the ones that come after it are a helpful resource for you as you get ready to celebrate Jesus this Christmas season And I want to mention one other resource that I have available for you that is totally related to this. The promise that we are celebrating at Christmas time, the king who would come in the last day, that promise is rooted in the story of the Old Testament. And for many of us, the story of the Old Testament is um, kind of hard to get our minds around. We start reading, and by the time we get to Leviticus, we just kind of quit because there's all kinds of laws. And, you know, we're really not sure how the whole story fits together. So I wrote a book for people like you and like me who maybe struggle with understanding the story of the Old Testament. It's called The King Will Come. And all I do in this book is trace the story of the king who would come in the last day, the promise that God made. And I show you how the authors of the story of the Old Testament put their books together and put the final story together to highlight that promise. The Old Testament is actually a book about the king who would come in the last day. And as I show you in the book... It is about a king who comes in the last day named Jesus. So if you want to understand the Old Testament better so that you can know and love God more this Christmas season, I think that would be a great resource for you to get. You can go to my website, corelifetraining.org slash the king will come book. And you can get that book in three formats. You can get a print paperback. You can get it in PDF format. You can also get it in audio. I think it'd be a great resource for you to check out. All right, you guys, thanks again so much for checking out this episode. If you want to stick around for the Christmas medal moment and the Christmas drink of choice, just wait for after the break. Otherwise, my name is Jeff Olson. I teach the Bible, and I will check you later.
Right on, right on. So this episode's drink of choice comes from Freem Family Brewers in Hood River, Oregon. And this one I got just the other day uh, at the Hoppy Brewer here in Gresham, Oregon. My man Steve Krause, every year on Black Friday, puts on an amazing set of barrel-aged stouts for Black Friday. And this year, uh, Freem's Bourbon Barrel Imperial Stout was uh, one of the ones that was on tap. So I was able to grab a crowler of that to go since everything is to go right now in my county in Oregon. Man, it is super good. And I'm going to read you the description. And it's way better than I could say it. Uh, here it is. Tasting notes, midnight black topped with a dense, creamy, and chocolate mousse foam. Man, that just sounds rad already. Powerful aromas of cocoa, caramel, coconut, toasted oak, and chocolate-covered berries. Like, who doesn't want that in a drink? Big flavors of ripe cherries, red velvet cake with a hint, just a hint of char and a touch of bourbon. Finishes with a kiss of oak tannins and a mouth-coating richness. <laughs> I love beer descriptions. They're my favorite. That's ridiculous. Uh, needless to say, man, this beer is super tasty. I mean, you can just tell by what I just read. It is so good. And uh, if you ever get a chance to pick this up from Freem Family Brewers out in Hood River, Oregon, find it at your local store, get it online. It is so good. That is this episode's drink of choice. And this episode's Christmas metal moment. I chose a song that goes with the theme of the Prophecy Candle. The song is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And that song really does represent the cry of the faithful few who were waiting with biblical hope with confidence and anticipation of God's promise to send the king. And their cry was, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Go on, bring it on, come now. And uh, so I chose that song to go with this episode and with the Prophecy Candle theme. And I chose a version that I love from one of my favorite bands. It's a band called August Burns Red. Hope you guys dig this Christmas metal moment. Christmas. 